Hello and welcome to the JazzNet podcast, the Independent Rangers podcast made for fans by fans and where the content is absolutely free. It's a Valentine's Day special tonight and to mark the occasion we're going to treat you to a Rangers loving following yet another victory in the league. It was Kamalik who had beaten Ibrox yesterday, Ryan Jack's stunning first half goal, uh, enough for the win. Leaves us four games away from the finishing line in the league. We're going to take a look at that uh, and all the big moments in the game, as well as all talking points on and off the pitch. And what has proved to be another uh, busy week for the club. Uh, I'm your host, David Wren. Joining me tonight is my my fellow Jersey host, Ross Bennett, and one of our resident Rangers dads, John McCallum. Uh, Ross, how's it going? I'm loving that headset. Thank you very much. I, I had it on a couple of weeks ago and couldn't get it to work. Had to bin it. Um, I've tinkered about a wee bit, uh, which means making sure it's plugged in. Uh, and I know it's good. I feel very professional now. Yeah, I remember the debut. I, I was there, man. Mm, uh, not good. Yeah. Not good. But no, no, it's good. It's good. Uh, John, pleasure. I don't feel professional. Don't worry. Yeah, it's, it's a Either pleasure. Either look at it or feel it. it. I've still got the, these things that I got for you with a phone in 2004. Yeah, I mean, they look, I've got the same thing in as you, and, and they look far better than Rossi's oh, thing. So, yeah, absolutely. you know, um, by Rossi's thing, I mean, his headset, I, I just don't want that to be. Aye, it's, I mean, the, cam- the cameras are on, but it's not that kind of show. <laughs> um, John, it's good to have you back. One of my favourite guests. Oh, that's very kind of you. There is only three of us, to be fair. Yeah, um, yeah, there is, a, there is only a few, but. No, I'm sure it'll be. I'm sure it'll be an enjoyable show. Another victory at the weekend. But what we'll start off with tonight is just a bit of breaking news in the last sort of forty-five minutes. Um, Rangers releasing a, a short statement on social media um, to say that there will be an internal investigation into, I suppose, um, what we believe to be a COVID breach uh, among the squad. It's understood potentially up to four players were involved in this. Uh, a party of some sort on on Saturday night after the victory over Kilmarnock. It would, it's, it, at the moment, it is, it is a, it's an alleged breach. Uh, I'm sure the club will um, release further statements in the coming days. But John, we'll start with you. It's a difficult one because we don't know the, the facts. And as you were saying when we when we came on, you know, we only really heard about this in the past half an hour, forty five minutes. It doesn't look good uh, at the moment, but you know the, the full facts have still to, to still to come out. But it's concerning that you know potentially, and, and again, we're, we're talking about these these things as just um, hearsay and things like that. But it would be really disappointing if there'd been a further breach of, of some sort. It would be hugely disappointing. It'd be very concerning. Um, like you say, it's it's difficult to put too much meat in the bones just now because we don't know a great deal about it. Um, we've seen the club statement. You know, I think there had been rumours through the day, uh, and then we saw the club statement tonight. So um, there's clearly something to this. Um, I'm. I think as we we spoke about this off air, I'm of the opinion. I, I personally am surprised there has been as few of these types of incidents as there has, and I think actually the club should be commended, and the majority of the players should be commended um, because. You know, for I'm not a young man. You know, as my life um, is is living, I'm living a very different life from a 19, 20, 21 year old athlete, um, and it can't be easy to 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 live that type of life. I I can imagine the temptations. Um, I can imagine that the the desire to just live a fairly normal life. Um, but they have a responsibility. They are very well paid. Um, they must know what's at stake this season. Um, it's hugely, hugely disappointing to hear this has happened or potentially that this has happened. Um, And not only is it disappointing because you realise that these people have made, um, you know, fairly monumental blunder, um, but we don't know what the the repercussions could be for the club, for the players themselves. Yeah, so in terms of this, something that we've spoken about quite a lot on on the podcast in recent months is the the PR at the club this season and how it has been well handled and, and we've we've conducted ourselves, you know, well in this uh, throughout this season so far. But these things, I, I always, um, I don't know if it's my background and professional, certainly my professional background, but when these things happen, often my biggest thought is the how it looks for the club before you actually think of the basic 
facts or, or, or alleged, you know, um, stories we're hearing. Uh, but it, it, often with things like this, and I think it, it's been it's been prevalent over the past five or six years, you think, oh, that's that's that kind of repercussions uh, followed down the line, and that I think that's the thing that concerns, you know, it'll concern a lot of fans at the moment that, you know, there could be something that comes of this, and certainly there'll be noise from elsewhere. Yeah, the, um, it's difficult actually at the moment because the repercussions could be anything from uh, a ban for the players involved. And whilst we don't know who those players are, there, there's rumours going around. And, you know, if if the rumours are to be believed, and again, at this point, we don't know, but it, it, that would suggest players that probably aren't going to have too much of an impact on the first, the starting 11 every week. It could range from that, as we saw was the case with Jones and Edmondson, you know, through to financial penalty to the club. Could we be talking about points being docked? Um, there will be huge calls from, from various parts of the media and competition within Scotland for, for Rangers to be made an example of because it's the second time that we've had players running wild. Um, so it's uh, it's it's really it's concerning as a fan because it, it, there's kind of a spectrum of punishment there, uh, and we don't know where it, where it's going to fall because there's not a great deal of precedent for this. You know, you've you've got um, clubs like Kilmarnock who had games forfeited because of players sharing cars to work allegedly, and then that was that was overturned. You've got Celtic going on a jolly to Dubai and admitting COVID breaches and getting positive tests after that and no action taken there. So there's real inconsistency. There's real difficulties in knowing, you know, at some point, are they going to try and make an advantage and make an example of a club? Um, that could well be us. Uh, and that I, I, I think the, the lack of certainty is what's most concerning as, as a fan, considering what's at stake over the next possibly four weeks. Um, and that's what makes it, um, all the the harder to forgive these players, the harder to believe the actions that they've taken when you know it's just selfishness and stupidity, allegedly. Again, if they have done it, um, it's it's really really difficult to accept as a fan. Yeah, I think you know, John, you you mentioned about the, the fact that um, the players, uh, if we're led to believe, you know, the rumor mill saying that these are young players, and it certainly um, could be the case. But for the club itself, I mean, this is something that I think has been brought up and was certainly brought up the last time with, with Jones and Edmondson when they were caught. How how much of this can be blamed on the club when players are making their own decisions out with football? And I'm, I'm not, not talking about this in an isolated sense, but, you know, you saw the guy at, at Newcastle getting his hair cut and there was, there's, been, there's been numerous other things that have, that have taken place, the two boys in England duty. How, how much of this can be put on the clubs and, and the national teams and whoever else? And, and how much is it down to players taking responsibility? I think it's 95% the players' responsibility. All the clubs can do is advise, remind, um, continue to give advice. Um, uh, you know, in the end, they cannot look after players 24 hours a day. Um, players themselves have to take responsibility for their own actions. And, and you know, I think. Jones and Edmondson had to take responsibility for their own actions, and and you know these these lads have to take responsibility as well. You know, there's a massive limit on what can be expected of the club, um, and and what they can do. Um, you know, if, if if as has been reported, they've gone to a, a social occasion. Um, you know, if the club didn't know about it, which I'm assuming they didn't, if the club didn't know about it, what what can the club do about that? You know, I mean, you can't track them 24 hours a day. Um, so no, I don't think the club the club is entirely blameless in this. In the same way, it was blameless in the Edmondson um, and Jones uh, affair. You know, the club did nothing wrong. The club didn't take them. The club didn't fly them to a party in Dubai. Um, you know, these guys have have chosen to do this themselves. And if it's true, and it comes out that it is, you know, what's been reported is true, they will be punished, um, and the club will be punished um, either directly or indirectly because the chances are they, they'll get some sort of ban from playing, you would expect. So the club will be will be punished, but I don't really see what more the club can do. Yeah, I think it's, it's interesting as well because you look at, um, in terms of COVID sort of protocols, the, the most recent one that was probably brought in was the, was the celebrating goals. And yet, you know, every club is now celebrating goals the same way they were. So that was always a stupid one for me. I mean, but yeah. we'll not get into that 
tonight, but certainly that was a that was a, a nonsense. Um, but you know, you see how how little how little time that lasted. So yeah, it's difficult, and I agree with both your points. I think we'll just have to wait and see um, what comes out of this investigation. I, I assume, and I would think that there'll be more stories um, coming out over the next. Uh, 12 or 14 hours in the papers tomorrow and I suspect we'll hear a bit more from the club tomorrow on this but time will tell, uh, for now we shall move on um, to the original scheduling for the night um, which was going to start with uh, some positive news on um, yesterday's game which uh, again I had sweaty palms towards the end of that, I mean I always, always have sweaty palms but uh, particularly sweaty palms at the end of that game yesterday John um, a good win, and you know the thing is, and, and this is a bit, this is something I've felt quite a lot this season. Uh, these sort of games where you you feel like it was really, really nerve wracking throughout. I watched the game back actually, just the highlights this, this evening, and it was a lot more comfortable in the second half than than it seemed. But you know, there was points, and I think a lot of that was a hangover from from last Sunday for the fans, where you're just waiting for something to happen. But all in all, a, a positive display. I mean, you said it yourself, a lot of it's to do with what happened the week before. Uh, at 1-0, you never are confident, uh, particularly as it's you know, into injury time. You're always worried that, that something's going to come of, of, of that. But in reality, Kilmarnock provided very little of a threat. I don't remember, no, I don't remember a save for McGregor. And there may have been one in the first half, but I don't remember it. Um, you know, the few crosses that, he dealt with, but I don't remember Kamarnock really posing much of a threat. Whereas, you know, we should have had a penalty in the first half, uh, and uh, Aribo should have should definitely have scored in the second half. And you could argue that that Eaton, Eaton should have. I was I was teased about my pronunciation of his name after Friday night, so I'm not too sure whether it's Eaton or Eaton. A Swiss friend told me it was Eaton. Um, but he should. I thought he should have scored as well. He certainly got shot away at one. He, he, was, he was kind of running with concrete boots on. So you're right. We were all nervous going into the last 10 minutes because of what happened the week before. But in reality, it was a very different game. You know, Hamilton gave us a game the week before. I thought Kilmarnock were poor. You know, they, they, they tried to stop his play. They, um, you know, and they did that quite successfully. I actually thought their, their two centre-halves played quite well. Um, but uh, yeah, it, it was a more comfortable win than... than perhaps the scoreline suggests. Yeah, I think um, certainly that Aribo will come on to the sort of the goals, that, the goal that we did score, but there, was, there were a couple of moments in the game that, that we could have put it to bed in the second half, but Ross, when you you look at the, the way we dominated the game, um, and Gerald mentioned it after, but we, we did have control of the match, you know, from, from the start, really, compared to the week before, where you know, I really felt that we could get a foot in the ball and properly control the tempo. So it was pleasing to see that return. Yeah, I think control is a, a, good, a good word for it. And you know, I'm not trying to say I'm I'm braver than everyone else, but I wasn't I wasn't that nervous actually. Even in, even as the second half went on, um, Kamarnock never never really threatened anything. They never got close to you know to to, to equalising and. John and I were on the, the preview show on Friday and we kind of spoke about um, the, their defensive struggles and, and a bit of a lack of creativity. And, I, you know, I, I don't think they ever really threatened much at all. I, I, I think um, we, we won the midfield battle without doubt. And, and, and when you have players like Ryan Jack and Steve Davis on form, then the game is going to be under control, whatever the opposition in Scotland. Um, and it should have been a lot more comfortable. Uh, as you say, Aribo, Etten should have, you know, even even Ryan Kent should have um, should have found the back of the net. Okay, it wasn't the day for that, but it was to me it was a, a comfortable, dominant, assured performance against a team that over not, not just the last season but the last maybe four years or so has given us far too many headaches. Um, after last week, it was all about getting three points, ticking that counter from fifteen points down to twelve. Um, that's all they needed to do, and I was you know, I was pleased with how they did it. Yeah, going on to the goal, John, I can't remember every single goal we scored this season, but certainly I was actually, I was WhatsApping Ross during the game and 
it did get a two hands in the air from me celebration that goal, which is quite a good bar of you know how how I celebrate. Um, but what a what a piece of technique! I mean, really, if that was scored down south, you'd be seeing it for for weeks on end. But certainly, going to be up there goal of the season, especially in the league. Definitely, that was an absolute beauty. Everything about it, um, the the first touch, you know, he, he took it. Uh, I was trying. I was saying to my dad later, is that a half volley or, or is that a full volley? Because it didn't touch the ground. You know, it came out to him and 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 this the first touch was just fantastic. And the only thing better than the first touch was the second touch. Mm-hmm. Two goalkeepers couldn't have stopped it. Uh, absolute beauty. Um, and and you realise that Jack is an accomplished football player. Um, you know, I think when he came to us from Aberdeen, I had my doubts. I'm going to be honest with you. I wasn't, you know, I wasn't over the moon. It wasn't my ideal signing. Um, but, but every season he's been with us, he's improved. He's a player who has benefited from the coaching he's getting. He's a player who has fitted into the type of football we play. Um, and, and that goal was, uh, he'll never score a better goal than that. And he might score a more important one, but he'll never score a better one. Uh, absolute beauty. And he's not a player who scores a lot of goals. You know, he isn't a guy who's, you know, he's going to score maybe four or five goals a season. But, but what a strike. And like you say, if it had been down south, if that, you know, if that was a South American playing in the Spanish league, they'd be replaying that all across Europe because of it. Absolute peach. It's one of these goals. Everything about it was perfect. Yeah, Ross. In terms of Rangers as a team over the past two or three years, it's been one of those things where, especially even this season, where um, we do a lot of nice things in the round the box, but often just don't pull the trigger at the right time. But you see that today, and we've had a couple other goals, um, more set piece like free kick goals that have sort of broken down stubborn teams at Ibrooks this season like that but you know it just shows you and I know it's easy it's easy to say you know why do we not take more shots from the edge of the area but and you know having having seen a bit of Kelly this season held from from a few boys I know down down there um, that the goalkeeper has struggled um, and I just don't understand why we don't take more shots from the edge of the area considering especially when you take in the um the goalkeeper situation for the opposition team and how difficult it is to break teams down. So it's good to see us get a goal in that in that way. Mm-hmm. No, I think I think you're right. I mean, Ryan Jack probably wouldn't be the first choice I'd have to take a goal from from twenty yards out. But um, yeah, it's it has been frustrating. You know, I, I think we've probably all spoken on this show before about um, players like Glenn Kamara who who will be eighteen yards from goal. I think just just hit it, just have a go, and he'll, he'll sort of wait for Barisic to run past him, and then he'll square it. Um, so yeah, I mean, we've all said it. Gerard said it after after the game as well. We know we don't shoot enough from outside the box. I actually think Yanis Hadji does this, and he it's one thing that he's brought that we that we lacked was someone who will actually have a go. Um, and I think as well, since Ryan Jack came back from injury, sort of what, three weeks ago, something like that, he's he's had a little bit more of. Um, a positive drive about him you know a, a criticism of Ryan Jack maybe last season was that he was, he was always very tidy always been a very very tidy footballer but never really dared to go and be creative I think there's something in the last second half of this season he's he's kind of changed that about himself and he's you know got a couple of goals uh, in the last few weeks and, and that was a I don't know it's as if Yanis Hadji's kind of rubbed off on him because I would never have expected him to to take that on it, the goal itself, it reminded me of. Do you remember Tav against Peterhead in the Petrofac final mm-hmm. um, a few years ago? A lovely first touch, sets himself, takes it on the volley. Tav's was maybe arguably slightly better, but um, yeah, we, we don't shoot enough from outside the box. Like I say Yanis Hadji is the one player that I think does, and I think Gerard likes that. I think he's given him that that free reign to, to have a go, and it's it's worked. You know, Hadji scored a few times from outside the box. And when he's not, there's been at least once where another player's followed it up. I can think of Kamar Roof about a month ago. Um, you know, a keeper spills it and, and Roof has a tap in. So it's worth doing, as you say. You know, I, I think there have been so many games since we returned to the, the, the top flight, so many games where Scottish teams just park 10 men behind the ball and, and say, come and have a go. And, you know, Livingston this season is an example of where we couldn't, we couldn't do anything with that, and, and last season there were plenty. So, yeah, it's it's something different, and we might as well try it. And it is it is working. Yeah, after after the goal, it was you know it looked like we might have got a, another one, but I'm going to come on to a couple of contentious decisions, and I'll go to John on this. Um, 
I'm, I'm just going to throw both of them at you, but definitely shout for a penalty on both sides, probably. Um, but the Tav one, shortly after the goal, when he was coming in at the back post, it looked, to me, I, I think if you're a referee and you see that and you see the players involved, I, I was amazed they didn't give a penalty. Yeah, so was I. I thought it was an absolute stonewall penalty. I thought, like you say, from from the way Tav himself reacted to, to you know when the ball comes come across, because he's got an absolute perfect chance of scoring, certainly of, of making the keeper work. Um, you know, he doesn't. You don't fluff your lines from there. He doesn't anyway this season. I have no doubt there was contact. I have no doubt he was forced. Um, you know, whether it was a nudge in the back or whether it was just a full barge. Um, I, I was amazed apparently it wasn't given um, it looked an absolute stonewall one to me um, only the ref can tell why he decided against it um, but you know thankfully it didn't make a difference to the game but it could have done Yeah, uh, it would have been annoying because you know, it should have been a penalty it could have done in the second half because <laughs> I must admit I thought the Balogun on Pinnock I think it I think it was a foul I think the only contentious aspect of it would be whether it was in the box or not, but I always fear when, when the when defenders give it the old, you know, it's uh, you know they're struggling. <laughs> I uh, like you. I thought it was a penalty at the time. First, you know, first glance at it, I thought, oh, what's he done? And I can understand why Kilmarnock were uh, incensed by it. On replay, it was outside the box. Yeah, the ref doesn't get a replay. Had the ref given it, you know, I don't know. We would maybe be. We would maybe be incensed today saying, well, it was outside the box. The ref should see that. The linesman should see it. On first viewing, I didn't realise, I didn't know it was outside the box. On second view, definitely outside the box. Wasn't a penalty. Ref got that right. But I was surprised he didn't give the foul because it did look like a foul. Yeah, it's, it's, it's quite strange because I thought both of them, I don't think there was much, you know, was no the, ref was, the ref was surprisingly, he was surprisingly lenient yesterday. I mean, I thought, they could have had a couple of bookings in the first half before uh, one of the players get booked for kind of knocking the ball out of the hands of Zabarasic yeah. or somebody I can't remember from a throw-in. But I thought before that they could have had a couple of bookings just for cons- consistent professional fouls uh, or persistent professional fouls. Um, I thought they could have had a couple of bookings. I thought the ref, I don't know, yeah, he just didn't fancy. Maybe it was cold. He just didn't fancy getting his hands out his pockets or something because he he didn't he, he was surprisingly lenient on a number of things, and I thought if had he awarded two penalties, I don't think you could have you could have criticised him too much for that. Yeah, I thought I thought I must admit I thought Kilmarnock. Um, we kind of spoke about it off air, but I thought Kilmarnock struggled yesterday, and I think that I don't think they look in a good place at the moment. I think even Tommy Wright coming in, they just didn't. Lay a glove on us, really. The poorest, um, poorest side I've seen at Ibrox this season, I think. Yeah, to me... I mean, I know we hammered... I think we put seven or something past Hamilton. But oddly enough, I still think Hamilton have got more fight about them. And mm. as they showed last Sunday, they, you know, they, you know, they'll have a goal. But I just thought, come on, come on, we're beaten before they come on. Yeah, they just looked a bit soulless, didn't they? But nevertheless, Ross, um, another clean sheet at Ibrox. Um, but Balogun this time instead of Hollander. Actually, I, I thought that would happen. Um, I didn't think Hollander did a particularly bad game last week, but I just felt that Gerard would look to shake it up, and that's probably the most obvious place to do it. But again, Balogun and, and Goldson for me, and I, I'm a big, big fan of Hollander, but I just feel more secure when both those guys are playing. I think Goldson and Balogun have a bit of a, an understanding, probably a better understanding than Hollander and Goldson do. Um, but nevertheless, uh, another clean sheet and, and an also defensive performance. Yeah, absolutely, it was. Um, I, I actually, I don't think I could split Balogun or, or Hollander. I think they're they're slightly different. Balogun is obviously a much faster player, um, and I think that Hollander therefore has to be a slightly smarter player with his positioning. And I think he, he is. I think both of them have a mistake in them, um, and we've. We've actually seen that more from Hollander, you know, the, you know, whether it be um, in, in Europe, you know, a couple of bad, um, bad mistakes in Europe that we've seen from him. He's probably shown a few more mistakes, but I think Balogun has, has maybe got away with a couple of things once or twice. And, and, you know, yesterday, as we say, that that should have been a foul probably. And had it been another half yard up the pitch, it would have been a penalty and, and that would have been a real error from Balogun. So 
I actually they're 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 slightly different players, but I think they're I couldn't split them, so I, I don't really mind actually which which one we have in. Goldson has been spectacular all season. I think you know um, this is a player who two years ago was kind of consistently making mistakes. Um, and I remember uh, maybe even last year there was a lot of criticism of Gerard because he would never be brave enough to drop Goldson. Um, Goldson was undroppable. Goldson was a guaranteed pick every week. But th- this year he's he's been one of the one of the players of the season, absolutely. And then you look behind the back four, and you've got McGregor, who I know we'll probably come on to talk about him a little bit later on in his own right. But the confidence that that man must give you as a defender is uh, actually it's probably not confidence. It's probably fear, because if you make a mistake. It's not. It's not worth living anymore. I mean, we saw that after Hamilton last week. So, um, it's it's a very very solid backline. I mean, Goldson is just one of the best centre halves in this league. Probably the best centre half in the league by by far. Uh, Barisic, Barisic, Balogun, and Hollander. You have two good international standard uh, centre halves. Um, the fullbacks. We know we know about their limited capacity in terms of defending. Barisic is Croatia's number one left back, so that's that says something about him. Um, we know we know that they're more attacking than they are defensive in in, in the modern style of fullbacks. But the, the, you know the way that uh, Ryan Jack, Steve Davis, Glenn Kamara, Bongani Zungu, Scott Arfield, whoever it is, whichever two are playing that day, the way that they protect and screen the back four, it just works. Um, and yeah, I mean there was a there was a funny comment that, um, on Sports Scene last night that. You know, it seems that teams have, have figured out how to play against Rangers, uh, and that's this team that's unbeaten and has conceded eight goals all season, and that's that's because of the solid backline, undoubtedly. Yeah, I'm going to I'm going to rewind a bit. I meant to mention something that that really shocked me when I saw it again tonight. That miss by Aribo yesterday was, and he was magnificent in the second half from half time, just controlled the game. And I, I just I, I've watched it so many times, John, and I cannot get my head around what he was trying to do. Because even uh, even when so Ryan Kent runs down, does fantastically well, plays the ball back. Even when he messed up the first touch, all he had to do was turn on his right foot, and put it in. Yeah, I've, I've genuinely, and for someone who is probably the most composed player I've seen at Ibrox in a long, long time, it was just I don't know what happened. It's a weakness in his game. It's probably. Probably his biggest weakness is that he isn't clinical enough in, in front of goal, in my opinion. I mean, he does, he does chip in with goals, but considering the amount of game time he's had this season and considering he's mainly being played as a forward now or certainly in, a, in, a, in an attacking position, he should score more goals than he does. Um, he's very creative. You know, he's got a wonderful first touch. He's, he's able to dribble. Uh, he can take the ball tight. You know, he's got a whole host of, of skills, but he is not Gerd Muller. There's one for you. Go and ask your dad. Um, you know, he's not clinical in, in front of goal. Um, I, I agree with you. I mean, I think we actually, we got a corner. So initially I thought, oh, right, okay. But then you saw it again. <laughs> that was a terrible miss. Yeah. It, was like something, it was like something you'd expect in one of those like soccer aid matches. You know, when like some, some guy from a boy band, I gets the ball and, and it's like, and everyone's like, oh, he's going to score. And then he just falls. Yeah. But no, I, I, I honestly, it was incredible. And you know what? I thought it was, and I don't want to sound like I'm having a go because I thought, I genuinely thought it was fantastic in the second half. But I had to come back to that because I just, I was in such shock earlier when I saw it again. Because I didn't actually realise yesterday that how easy it would have been for him just to stick it back in his right foot yeah. and put it in. But listen, it didn't have a massive impact uh, on the game as a whole. But Ross, that's, that's 14 wins out of 14 at Ibrox. And really, the only game I can think or two games I can think where we were really you know under pressure would have been the Hibs game Boxing Day and the, and the Celtic game thereafter and uh, the second so it's been it's been pretty good this season it's been it's been consistent at home and it's been it's been good to watch yeah um, you know I, I think earlier on in the season there was a lot of talk about how uh, the the lack of fans have had an impact, and it makes Ibrox easier for our players to play in. And I'm actually guilty of saying that myself on this show. I now think that that's complete nonsense because that I don't think that would have an effect this long into the season. Um, I just, you know, you could talk about Ibrox being an intimidating place to go. Does that 
ring true when there's no fans there. I don't know, but it's so it's so important to you know a, a successful kind of home campaign is is the foundation for a successful campaign overall. Um, teams obviously hate coming and playing at Ibrooks. Um, pitch isn't great, by the way. You know, I don't know if if that plays into it at all, but um, yeah, it's. It, it's it's really really pleasing. It's a shame, obviously, that there's been no fans there to see it because it has been so dominant. And and you're right, there have been a couple of pressured performances. The old firm uh, on on the second, of course, we know that that was um, a very difficult game. Uh, Hibs, you know, a couple of weeks before or a couple of days before, we knew that we were in a game that day as well. There have been some uninspiring performances and I'd probably put yesterday's into that category the one that sticks out for me as well was when we beat Ross County I think 2-0 earlier on in the season Brandon Barker scored um, you know certainly an uninspiring performance but um, this is a I think overall this is a miraculous season I mean I, I think I'm right in saying already that um, Alan McGregor has broken the, the clean sheets record for example I think that there's going to be a number of records broken this season I don't know if we're still on track for like the, the earliest win of, of the league I don't know if we're on track for the biggest points gap between first and second for example but I, I suspect um, there's a good chance that we'll go through this season with a 100% home record uh, and that may well be another sort of first in Scottish football and it might get lost amongst all the other accolades that we win this year um, but it's it's been very, very impressive to watch, um, albeit through my virtual season ticket. That's seamless, Ross. On to, um, my it's next almost like topic. this is planned, doesn't it? I know, it? as if I've got the agenda right there. Oh, incredible. <laughs> uh, now, I'm, I'm going I'm to preface this comment. If Colin Armstrong, if you're listening, this isn't just, just maybe you want to mute, mute for now and go and get a cup of tea or something because I know this will rail you um, but John I, I just kind of wanted to touch on this because it was something that I'd, I'd thought about a bit yesterday during the game and, and actually throughout the season and I don't have a season ticket so I've been buying games on Rangers TV um, game by game I found it to be pretty easy to buy the games I found it to be straightforward to get onto the stream I found the coverage to be good I found it quite refreshing not to suffer from severe anger issues throughout the commentary of games. Um, I'm not a massive fan of the, of the full sort of in-house stuff all the time, but I think in, in terms of in Scotland and perhaps elsewhere as well, I, don't, I think we've done okay in terms of the actually getting the, the games sort of broadcast the fans through our own in-house media for these home games this season. I didn't have any problems at all. In fact, I would go as far as to say I thought the the Rangers TV was actually really very good uh, until the other night when they made the change. And I, I, I'm sure there are good business reasons or contractual reasons for them making the change, but they made the kind of change to the website and, and everybody had to kind of re-register and things. And that game, that following game, uh, I had a lot of problems. That game. That's the first time this season I've had problems. My dad, he didn't get to see any of the game. Um, and again, he's, you know, that's not the most technologically minded, but he knows how to open the internet and he knew how to buy the thing. And um, he, he didn't get to see any of that game. He had some problems yesterday, but saw most of it. Um, but he still had some problems yesterday. I saw the majority of the game yesterday, a wee moment where it went down on me for 20 seconds uh, and then it came back up. So uh, the change I've not been gaga about, the the start at the beginning, I thought Rangers TV was excellent. You know, the guests, the quality of guests they had, um, you, Walter Smith, you, people like Graham Soonis, you know, had, I thought it was excellent. I think Emma Dodds is good. I, I quite quite like Emma Dodds. Um, I wasn't overly familiar with her beforehand, but I thought she's been quite good. I like Neil McCann. And he now seems to be more or less permanent there. Um, so they're quite good. Um, the commentator... It's difficult one because I don't like to criticise the guy because you know he's got his own style um, and uh, you know he's he's you know he doesn't hide the fact that he is a supporter and he's he's doing it. So you know, let's be honest, he's doing what we do. So it's very difficult for me because as I sit here pontificating on YouTube with absolutely no license to do it. Um, but you know, the the chap they got in earlier in the season, 
is a better commentator and it was a more professional commentary. But for whatever reason, um, I, I suspect that that chap now has, has other games to comment on, commentate on, because I don't think the English football had started at that point. Um, so I, I think overall it's been really good. Uh, yeah, I mean, I, the question you asked me, I, overall it's been really good. I know some of our, I know some of our Jersnet colleagues haven't had the best, of, but Colin lives in Falkirk, and I'm not sure they have proper internet there yet. <laughs> uh, I think he's trying to watch that in 2G or something on his Nokia. It may just be that that's the issue. Um, I think that's why all, remember we used to get a lot of UFOs and things spotted in, in, in Falkirk? And curiously, that stops since they all walk about with high-definition recording equipment on them now. They don't see them anymore. Yeah. But it may be connected to that. Uh, other than that, I think the just TV's been pretty good. Yeah, Ross, it's it's been it's been a sort of um, second place, you know, to actually being at the game. But just hopefully, in the coming months, and maybe by at least some point next season, we'll we'll get fans back in the stadium, and that'll be that'll be welcome. Very much so. Very welcome. Um, it's you know I, I I think it it should never be forgotten how much of a tragedy it is that we that we can't be there and watch, you know, winning winning the league in this. I'm assuming that we're going to win it, if not in the next four weeks, then in the next six or something. But winning the league in this way at this much of a canter and with this much hilarity around it, you know, uh, every week without fail, Shane Duffy puts a smile on my face. So these wee little side stories, um, all of winning the league in this manner, regardless of of the season, regardless of 55, regardless of Operation Stop the 10, um, it would be magnificent and historic. So the fact that we can't be there to see it, I, I don't want to ever forget how how sad that is. Um, but you know, I think the most important thing is that we are we are going to win the league um, after a very very difficult ten years. It's really sad that we can't be there. I was looking, you know, uh, thinking today about season ticket renewals. All the all the sort of literature around that will come out soon. All the advertising and they'll have a catchy new slogan and. Um, a hashtag that we'll all get excited about and we'll all all of us will renew our season tickets not you David didn't know you didn't have one um, not sure how you're the host but um, <laughs> you know, we, we will we'll all, we'll all renew we'll all we'll all still be there and we'll all spend £500 on it and it's a shame but like I say I, I like I like Rangers TV I like Tom Miller I, I think he's done a wonderful job um, throughout the uh, you know, because it's not just these last couple of seasons he's been there. He's been there for years and years and yeah, commented yeah. on hundreds of games and he's incredibly knowledgeable about Scottish football. Um, I I met Tom Miller once after a game, uh, it must have been last season, when it was the game that we got four penalties in one game and it was, I think it was against Ross County um, and the media went mad and it was terrible and I met I met Tom Miller after the game and we were talking about how surely there's never been a game in which there were four penalties before and he just goes well no in this game in 1987 this happened and so and so got the third penalty and the the knowledge in that guy's brain was just incredible I think he's an asset to the club and I get it his delivery is certainly different to Clive Tilsley who is a consummate professional uh, commentator I think Emma Dodds is is top class and is a you know a grade A sports presenter um I think any time that she's been away, I can't remember, uh, you know, I don't mean to be disrespectful, but I can't remember the, the woman's name that stood in for her. I think she was great as well. Um, I, I'm not the biggest fan of Alec Ray's voice. Uh, every time Alec Ray's commentating, he always says there's a wee ball around the face. So watch out for that. But that happens every game without fail. Neil McCann's great. Aye, some of the, the you know, we're getting less regular guests like Graham Soonis and Walter Smith. That was wonderful that day. But um, as a very long-winded way of saying, I... Crap that we've not been there, but Rangers have done well to keep us all involved in it anyway. I did. Yeah, I I, sorry, just very quickly. I liked the subtle introduction of an official VPN partner. Okay. Now we all know what we're watching next season as well. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> that's, that's good business for Rangers TV. You know, yeah. I, I'm surprised they didn't advertise it by saying, next time you want a 120-minute <laughs> holiday to Thailand, consider NordVPN. <laughs> uh, I must admit, I was sitting with a smug smile on my face thinking that the punchline was going to be about Colin again there, Ross, and you turned it around and <laughs> it was me running the season ticket. So uh, no, that was good. Um, anyway. So, so did I just carry on as host, or does someone come on take over season ticket holder? <laughs> That's up to Frankie at the end of the end of the show. Uh, 
Yes, so we shall go on. We've touched on on one of these guys, but I, I, I felt like I feel like every week I, when I certainly when I host, um, which obviously this would be my last week, um, but I feel that like we we single a lot of players out. But these two guys have certainly um, came into the, the thinking this week, given they're both out of contract in the in the summer. That's Stephen Davis and Alan McGregor, two guys who are in their, their late thirties and still you know leading the way in a in a title charge. John, first of all, I mean, how vital is it and how important is it that we try, or, or Stephen Gerrard tries to get these guys signed up for, for another year? I, I would be amazed if a conversation hasn't taken place. I, I, that would really surprise me. But let's try and take the emotion out of it for a moment. I think Alan McGregor would sign up again. Uh, McGregor's, he's a, you know, well, Edinburgh, but he's you know he's a local guy. He's a, he isn't going to. Um, I, I suspect that he would be happy to sign up again, and, and certainly on his form this season, um, you would think the club would be keen to sign him up. Um, and I imagine that that um, you know there's a conversation taking place at that at his age. You know he might say, "Well, I'd want a two-year contract, or you know I want more security." There may be a bit of haggling going on around that. You know the club would need to take a view on that. But I would be very surprised if the conversation doesn't take place. Stephen Davis is slightly different. I could be wrong, but I think Davis's family are still down in, in England. Um, I, I could be wrong on that, and if I am wrong, I, I apologise. But I, I remember reading recently that I think Davis's family are still down in England. That may be a factor in, in his thinking. That you know, I suppose under normal circumstances, he would have been able to see them. He's a senior professional. I suspect David um, Gerard would have been. Um, fairly open to him being able to to travel down and see his family and maybe spend a couple of days down there, you know, under the the knowledge that he would look after himself and, and um, he probably doesn't need to be um, managed in the same way as maybe some of the younger players. He wouldn't have been able to do that. That must be difficult. Uh, and, you know, if that is the case, that must be difficult. You know, I think we do need to remember sometimes these guys are humans. Um, and if we are looking at a continuation of the restrictions that we're currently living under, if that, you know, and none of us know, you know, we could be out of this by April, we could be still on this in September, we don't know. That might come into his thinking. But again, I would be amazed if we haven't had the conversation with Steve Davis. Under normal circumstances, I'd be surprised if Stephen Davis doesn't fancy another season, particularly if there was the lure of Champions League football. Um, I don't think he's going to move to another club that could offer him Champions League football at this stage of his career. But he might fancy a, a season or two in America or China, maybe one last payday. I, I don't know. I don't know he's thinking that. You know, Davis is a Rangers supporter. Um, this is his second time at the club. He's a fantastic professional. He's a joy to watch. You know, he makes football look so easy. Um, it's not vital we sign them up next campaign. Both of them can be replaced, but it will be hard to replace them with people who bring everything that they bring to the team. Well, it's in terms of, I mean, McGregor's a difficult one because I don't think anyone's surprised with the impact that he's having this season because he's been so impressive since he came back. But Davis, you know, when Davis came back in the initial six months, he didn't play badly, but he certainly didn't make a massive impact on the team, I wouldn't have said. Last season came back into a bit more, you know, a couple of important goals in Europe. But this season he's been, he's been incredible and you can see that the team doesn't quite tick without him in it. Have you been surprised by the impact that he's had this season? You're at the age of 36. It, it, honestly, yeah, I, I really have. I, I was, I, like you, I was a little bit underwhelmed, let's say, when he first came back from Southampton because I didn't think he was doing very well. Um, and he I, he didn't remind me of the player that that we lost, you know, however many years ago. Um, and I get that, obviously, what with age... Uh, the body works differently and he might have had to adapt his role but I wasn't hugely impressed as you say the first couple of months when he came back but um, I'm, I'm I'm incredibly impressed with um, the control and the guile and the poise that he has and, and the calmness that he brings to the pitch and, and I think you could see that particularly last week against Hamilton obviously I think we all could see that the game changed when when Steve Davis and, and Ryan Jack were brought on. Um, I think he's just class. I thought he was phenomenal yesterday, but, you know, man of the match by far for me. Um, I, I, you get a lot of people saying, 
or give him a, a, a pay-as-you-play type deal. I don't know if that exists in professional football. I mean, a lot of people talk about it, but I don't know if, if that exists. Um, I, I don't know. I don't get the sense that he would want to go to China, for example, or the Middle East. I, 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 I don't know. Young family seems like a kind of, I don't know, a, a settled family guy. And I don't know if he would disrupt that and, and move that far. But um, yeah, he's, he's got every option to go for one last payday if he wants to. But I, I've been hugely impressed. And I, I think about probably about two months ago on this show, I, I suggested that I wouldn't give him another deal. And actually, since then, he's kicked on, in my opinion. And, and we've had some performances since the turn of the year where we haven't been as dominant as we were in the first half of the year. Steve Davis is the exception to that, in my mind. He's He's been you know, kicked on a level above again. And uh, I think he's he's integral to to what we are now. Yeah, John, you know, they those two are certainly going to be in the hunt for play the year gongs at the end of the season. Um, gongs is a stupid word that only gets used in newspapers. I don't know why I've actually just said that. Uh, but others who, I mean, James Tavernier was said you know, in the first half of the season that he would be a shoo-in, but I would disagree with that now. I think there's been a bit of a drop-off in his performances, but Conor Goldson certainly would, um, would be in with the show. I think he's been outstanding. Another good potential would be Glenn Kamara um, or anyone else that, that may have tickled your fancy. But who, who do you think will be, or, or do you think they will all be front on us? Yeah, but I think they'll all be front on us. Um, in terms of Rangers Player of the Year, in terms of Scotland's Player of the Year, I agree. For me, um, James Tavenier was... Was a was a, a shoe in a month ago. Um, his form has his form has dipped in that he's no longer scoring three goals every match from right back. Um, but he's still not conceding any. He's still playing a defence that's not conceding any goals. He's still captaining a team that is unbeaten, um, and you know he still is contributing. I mean, he put some um, he put some nice crosses in. You know, the fact nothing came of them was not his. Um, was his doing? He isn't him. Neither him nor Barisic are marauding quite the way they were in the first half of the season. But I think that tactically, I think teams have stopped them. I think um, I think it was Ross that said earlier that um, it's been reported just now. People are saying, well, you know, other sides have figured out how to play against Rangers, and I think what they mean by that is they've maybe stopped us from being um, as fluent as we were, but we're still able to win. So. I think we'll still see something from James. I think there's still a, a fair chance that Tav will, will, will get player of the year. But Davis has had a magnificent season. McGregor has had, every time McGregor has been asked to do something, he has done it. Uh, he's had a magnificent season as well. Um, and, or any of those three at this moment in time, you know, I think if Jack hadn't had his injury, I think Jack would be a contender as well. And, and I think if he can stay fit and stay in the form that um, we've seen, we saw certainly on, on Saturday, um, I suspect that he could be in there. And and Kamara, something of an enigma at times. You know, there, there are games where he's 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 quiet and you don't think he's doing much. And then the next game he looks like he could walk into any team in the world. Um and you know, we've also got a European couple of European games coming up, at least two more European games coming up. Uh Kamara has always looked magnificent in that. I think that's his stage. I think he really enjoys that stage. So I, I couldn't pick one just now. I really couldn't. Um, uh, you know, but in the end, the only, there's only one gong that matters this season. Um, yes. They can give it to they can give it to James Forrest for all I care. As, uh, as long as we win the league, I couldn't care less who gets Player of the Year. Um, yeah. Well, speaking of uh, speaking of successful, I don't know what my segue was there, but basically, um, I will mention our, our partners, uh, football prizes who again are coming up with some fantastic uh, Rangers related prizes um, at the moment on their website they have a Ryan Kent boot and an Andy Gorham glove, so something for all the all the generations but um, football prizes, excellent, excellent things on offer there um, and all of, the, all of the details are on Frankie's social media, so if you're interested in the football prizes and how to get your hands on them, then visit um, Frankie's social media to get all the details um, we're going to move on now uh, to something that was mentioned, I think, on Friday's show briefly, but we're going to have a quick chat about this. Um, but last week, obviously, the F- SFA published a, a report into child abuse in, in Scottish football. Um, Rangers were mentioned in that report 
And SFA's uh, SFA had, had urged clubs to to apologise and to 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 the victims. Um, the club has yet to comment on this. Um, other clubs have so far, but Rangers have yet to publicly um, comment on the report in itself. Uh, John, I'll, I'll come to you on this. Um, what are your thoughts, first of all, on the report itself, and then secondly, that the club's um, lack of lack of comment so far. The report it's uh, I mean I haven't read every page of the report. I have I've read some of it. It's 130 odd pages. It's a big report. Um, it's not it's not good reading. Um, I'm as is, as is mentioned in most things. I'm most times I'm older, I'm older than you guys, um, and most of this deals with activities that took place in the 70s and 80s. <clears throat> some of it goes into the 90s. Most of it is in the 70s and 80s. Um, there is some allegations uh, from the early 2000s which surround um, females. But the majority of the, the allegations concern young, young, young men, boys. There's a number of clubs mentioned in it. Um, and, and they're fairly well known. They're, you know, Park Dizzle, Motherwell, Hibs. Celtic, but really the only one that concerns us, the three of us, is, is Rangers. And Rangers are mentioned in it. Um, the the allegation is around a, a gentleman called Gordon Neely, who uh, um, I believe is, has now passed away. Um, the allegation is, is around him, and there are more than one allegation. There's, there's two or three allegations. Um, Neely had been at Hutchison Vale, um, quite a well-known boys club in, um, in Edinburgh. From there he went to Hibernian and then from Hibernian he came to Rangers. Um, the report states that Neely was, uh, well the, the report states that he left Rangers. Um, there is some ambiguity in the report, or the report basically saying there is some ambiguity over the circumstances of his departure. Um, the report says they cannot corroborate what Rangers said about his departure. And there's an article in the Rangers News, um, you know, kind of wishing him all the best, you know, thanks for your time in the club and, you know, all the best in your new career type thing. Um, there's a couple of allegations made about other, about the reaction of other coaches at the club when he left, which which do not paint the club in a good light, it has to be said. Um, so it's it's not easy reading. Um, you know, it's not, it's not, it's, it's not a great thing as a Rangers supporter. It's not something that you're going to take a great deal of comfort from. Um, uh, you know, as I said, I don't, I'm not going to talk about other clubs. Um, some of what's happened to other clubs is very well known, and, and you know, it's not for us as Rangers supporters to talk about it. I really only can only concern myself with what's happened with Rangers. What's been reported as what's happened at Rangers. Um, so that, that I mean that's the, the, the kind of thrust of, of what is being said about Rangers. Um, that it does go into more detail. There is more detail about the actual offences, and, and there's more detail about what Rangers have have reported to to um, to the panel that put this together. Um, I think we have to take it seriously. I don't think we can dismiss this as some daft thing from from the SFA. I do think we need to take it seriously. Um, I suspect the club are taking it seriously. I suspect the club are taking um, every aspect of this. They certainly seem to have cooperated with it. Um, so, from that perspective, you have to assume that um, you know things are going on in the background. Um, the lack of of comment from the club, on one hand, it looks strange. On one hand, we would maybe look at that and think, okay, well, you know, why have we not even said, you know, we we've seen the report, we're reading it. We'll make a, a comment in time. You know, uh, the lack of, of any comment is a little surprising, a little strange. Um, I'm, a, I'm, I'm assuming the club's got sight of it beforehand. I don't know if that for a fact, but you know, normally is what would happen. The clubs would get sight of it beforehand and you know get a chance to, to um, form an opinion and, and know that we're going to be asked. So I suppose the fact that we haven't said anything um, uh, is a little unusual. On the other hand, this is. A very serious topic, you know. It's 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 more serious than you know us three sitting talking, you know. And we do. It's only right that we at least address it in some way. It's a very serious topic. 
I expect there are lawyers involved in this. I expect there are um, various things going on. And it may be that for reasons that, that you know, we don't know and, and shouldn't know, or none of our business, that the club feel they can't talk about it just now. Um, and again, I guess we just have to kind of kind of wait and see what the club choose to do. Um, I'd say it's a couple of other things on this. Um, Ross mentioned this the other night. There's an article on Jersnet just now written by Frankie. Um, and, you know, it's not Frankie doesn't hide it. Frankie was uh, a very good um, footballer at one time. He was on the books of Dundee United um, and he has an insight into what that life was like. Um, you know, he, he understands what it was like to be a young, you know, a, a, an up and coming young footballer and the pressures that come with that and the characters that you are exposed to. Um, and he wrote, um, it really is, it's, it's, I'm not just saying that because it's frank, it, it's worth reading. It's, it's on the, the Jersnet website. Um, and interestingly, if you look at it on the forum, there's a follow up piece written uh, by one of the regular posters there who talks about his time at uh, Fur Park Boys Club. Fur Park Boys Club at that time were a feeder club from Motherwell. And they were the unofficial Motherwell Boys, Boys Club and they were a very good team. Um, and he makes some very interesting observations about um, the Celtic Boys Club at the time. And the interesting observation he makes is that Celtic probably had the best boys club in Scotland at the time. Uh, they, they, they probably had the most successful youth system. And when he played against them, their first, so their first choice 11 would be there. But he makes the point there's probably another 30 boys standing at the side who didn't make that first that first team. All with the Blazers on, all with the flannels, all desperate to play. And it's an interesting observation about the pressure that was on young boys at that time. Um, now, I was around in the 70s and the 80s, and, and it was a very different time to what it is now. It simply was, um, you know... My, my wife's involved in, in the local EB um, and the rules and regulations now about who, you know, who, who you, know, I, you know, I can't just go down there and, and offer to give, you know, a couple of the boys a run home if it's raining. Can't do that. You know, not, that's not allowed. Everybody has to go through full disclosure. Um, you know, dads, mums and dads can't just help out in the way they could when I was, when I was you know, 12. It, it's very, very different to what it was then. Um, it's different for a reason and, and I guess that's, you know, these are good reasons but, you know, we are dealing with something from, a, from the past, dealing from something 20, 30 years ago uh, it's difficult to judge behaviour then to today's mores, I think you do need to always bear that in mind but either way it does read like there is something that needed to be addressed at the time um, and and was addressed, but was it addressed as fully as it could have been and perhaps as it should have been? I don't know. You know, that aspect of the report is a, is a little a little worrying. Um, but as I said, um, I would be surprised and I'd be very disappointed if the club aren't doing something about it. Um, but I would urge everybody to read, read Frankie's article. It's, 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 you know, it's worth 10 minutes of your time. And, and as I said, the, the kind of follow-up piece that one, one or the other contributors made um, and I think it gives a good insight into just what it was like at that time um, it can be quite difficult I think to perhaps see back there an important thing to, to to add just finally on that is you know anyone that was victim of that any club in, in that period of time you know as you've said 70s 80s or, or, or in, in more recent years you know I think it's just important that this report delivers some form of justice to them and, and, and whatever that may be to them. Um, and I, I hope that is the that is the case and that is what comes of it um, in whichever form. But I think justice for those who were, who were victims to this is, is paramount for, for any um, report. Just just finally, before we before we finish for the night, Ross, um, back in Europe on Thursday, there'll be a more comprehensive uh, Euro preview, I would have thought, through the week. I think Alec Anderson is chomping at the bit to have his say on Royal Antwerp because uh, I've heard the story before, but um, I'm sure he'll tell you all about it on uh, on Wednesday. But um, it's good to be back in Europe. And, and just a quick point before we before we finish up, 
I do wonder if if, if being back in Europe will serve as a a help in, in getting the sort of form we were showing, you know, um, in twenty twenty certainly uh, back because it seemed to be the the, the run of games and the you know how consistently the games were coming along played a part in, in the good play and, and the and the good performances. Yeah, I think there's something in that. I, I think it's it's a different type of challenge. Um, a, a change of scenery. I, I think it will be quite energising for for the players. Um, you know, it's it's glamorous as well. You know, knockout stages of European competition with an incredibly good chance of of progressing. You know, I was actually just looking at, at odds and stats there. We, you know, got a, a roughly seventy to seventy five percent chance with most bookies of of getting through this and getting to the last sixteen. So, um, it's quite an exciting thing being being this deep into a European competition. I mean. You go back fifteen years, or even twenty years. It was never guaranteed that we would that we would be here. So um, to be here now is it's really exciting, and I, I I don't want that to ever kind of rub off. So I think it'll. I actually think it'll be a really good, energizing, refreshing thing for us to um, to get to go into Europe again. Different type of challenge. I don't imagine Antwerp are about to place 11, 10, 11 men behind the ball and and see how long it takes for us to break them down. Um, and yeah, I, I, I think we say it quite a lot actually that momentum in football is massive, you know, and, and winning streaks and losing streaks. Celtic never had any momentum because of um, Bolingoli and then Dubai and, and all sorts. Um, whereas Rangers, the first half of the season, the momentum was incredible and it was like a steam train just kept on going. And Europe played a big part in that, as you say. It was um, a league at the weekend, Europe on a Thursday, and, and it worked. So I, I think it's important. I'm, I'm really, really looking forward to it. Again, Antwerp it would be a wonderful place for, for the Rangers fans to go and visit. Um, would have been a cracking trip. Most important thing is that we go, uh, we, we get a positive result, get an away goal. Um, I'm fairly confident, actually. I think, you know, I, I think we should be expecting to go and get a good result there. And we should, um, without being greedy, I think we should be expecting to, to progress from, from this tie. But um, I'm, I'm, I'm really looking forward to it and I, I think it will serve to be a good thing in terms of the league campaign because it's got a bit stale you know the last few matches I don't know when I was last properly inspired by Rangers in the league um, it's got a little bit stale so I, I think this will be a good thing And are we going to win the Europa League do you think? Well so the odds for that that I've just been checking are around about 35 to 40 to 1 um, so no but maybe I think that's the same odds of me ever returning to host this show <laughs> Mm. Anyway, yes, aren't in great form. They, they lost. Um, they lost. They, they withdrew today and lost that game before. Uh, they're they're not in good form and, and uh, allegedly have a lot of injuries biting around now as well. So, um, look, you you can make make a, an argument that we're also not in great form. You know, our last four games we scored one goal in each of them. Um, I'll but, take 1-0 on, on Thursday. Absolutely take 1-0 <laughs> on Thursday. But, um, no, they're not in great form. I think we have to count ourselves as maybe not favourites for the you know this match, but favourites for the tie, absolutely. Um, and I'm I'm just looking forward to it. I, I think for me, it's, it's just incredibly exciting to, to be this, you know, to get through the group stages of European competition. It's huge. It's huge. I love it. Yeah. Um, but to be fair, you know, Hamilton and Kelly have figured out how to play against us then. Yeah, that's it. We haven't got it. No, we, should any. Be, we should be scared. We re- I'm really scared. <laughs> Antwerp, Antwerp would be a decent team. I mean, I think um, when we played um, Liège earlier in this season, you know, that was a close, there were two closer games than um, than perhaps the score lines suggested. We were, um, I thought we were, it was actually nip and tuck in the first leg. You know, we're sitting at 1-0 and, and you know, when the boy, if you remember, the, the weather was terrible. Uh, and the guy missed an absolute sitter just before Roof scored his whatever his fifty yarder. Um, you know, and that game could have been one each. And I don't know if we could have complained too much. I think we got the rub of the green that night. So this would be a decent team. And I'm really looking forward to it. I have to say, I agree. Uh, the thought of European football again, and at this time of year, you know, that will never get boring. Uh, that, that's that's just great. Yeah. Well, I better wrap it up because um, because we've we've blabbed on a wee bit over time. But um, no, it's been an enjoyable night. Uh, as always, if you enjoy what we're doing here, then please subscribe um, or give us a like on social media. Uh, previous episodes tonight's show are all available to listen to 
on the usual platforms from Monday, uh, Spotify, iTunes, Stitcher, Castbox, etc., wherever you get your podcasts. Ross will return next Sunday to host with uh, Colin and Alec, so tune in then. And um, thanks to both my, my guests, John and Ross, tonight. And until next time, good night. <laughs>